everything in business is a gamble. People generally buy people. It's genius! We want an education What you're thinking, can you get the buy-in? You're listening to Forest FM, a salon business show with hosts Zoe Below Springer and Killian Vigna. For your industry, by your industry. So last week, we continued the Thought Starter conversation on Instagram Live, and we got some fantastic engagement. So if you weren't able to tune in live or uh, you just haven't had the chance to catch up on it, uh, you definitely should. You head over to at Salon Software on Instagram in the IGTV section of our profile, and uh, you can catch all the past lives we've done um, around these Thought Starter conversations. Like we said, our aim is to keep these going and uh, we'd love for you to request to join the live. We'll have you share your thoughts, your stories on the uh, Thought Starter question. And again, this week, um, towards the end of the episode, we'll draw another card. Yeah, we actually had one salon ask us through the live how she can improve communication with her team. I think she was struggling to grasp if she was getting honest feedback from her team while they were closed and understandably when you're not in the salon, you don't have that face-to-face engagement. It's hard to kind of take what people say. It's like when you're, when you send someone a WhatsApp or an email, how I send it is perceived completely different or could be perceived completely different. So myself and Zoe did give, we we attempted to give feedback from a non-management point of view, but I actually think this is the perfect episode to provide that answer. When I did kind of a deeper dive in the research, like, what do you mean by friends? Because a significant portion of them said they want their leader to be their friend and give them feedback. It's really about relationship. You know, and if you go back to what I said about an oath, right, we take this oath to show people the gap. Like, that's where the feedback has to come in. But you're never going to have any of that received well if you don't have a pre-existing relationship with somebody. Because then they don't think you care. And as leaders, we have to seek that level of relationship where We do all the things we would do to build a great relationship with anyone else in a professional sphere, of course, so that we can follow through with our oath of like helping them grow. Connection is the basis for emotional stability and safety. And again, if we're going to be somebody helping somebody else grow, and we know that means there's going to be difficult conversations at times, we have to have emotional safety. Connection is what allows us to be hopeful. On the show with us today, a motivational speaker and generational leadership expert who spent 15 years building teams and educating leaders on the changes in today's workforce. Stephanie Fox is the founder of Talent Match, board member for the National Association of Women Business Owners, and more recently joined Forrest at its Uplift virtual event for an inspiring and timely talk titled Being a Great Leader, uh, which people thought very highly of. Steph, welcome back to Forest FM. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. I think this is your second episode and we're catching you pretty much fresh off the press from a recent Uplift event. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here again. So good to have you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So... Steph, you've always been keen on research and for people who don't know this, now you know, obviously. Um, But like we said in the episode's intro, you've spent 15 years building teams, educating leaders on the changes in today's workforce. Um, At the minute, you believe we're in an age of leading, not motivating, which I think a lot of people kind of go back to a lot, motivation, right? So what makes you believe that? And can you explain the difference you see in both? Yeah, so 
in the place the world's in today, which the best word I use for all of it is just heavy. <laughs> and not that it always feels heavy, but really this last year has had so many periods of heaviness. Um, I think the natural thought when you are running a business is coming from a place of desperation to like drive performance and drive business, right? Yeah. And so we think that dangling a carrot or motivating somebody to do something is is the way we're going to get there fastest. But when you actually look at human psychology and you understand what makes people feel both interested and capable of doing something different, it requires that they are kind of hand in hand with someone that's going to help them, right? And that's leading. You know, motivating is this incentive, it's a reward, it's an end game. But leading is like someone is holding your hand, they're walking you through, they're showing you how. And when you go back to that heavy place that we're kind of all living in, you're kind of ebb and flowing through. We need people right now, right? Like we <laughs> yeah. need to feel like somebody's holding our hand and helping us. Um, there's so many questions in the salon space. You know, are our clients going to come back? Are new clients going to come in? Would they rather come to a big business with a bunch of stylists, or would they rather go to a small space with a suite? Like, there's so many unknowns right now that we need that leader around us that is hand in hand with us connecting on that emotional level and not just trying to incentivize performance through some kind of dangling carrot because it doesn't last. Yeah. It doesn't make you feel good, mm. especially if you fail, right? If, if you don't hit the goal and you don't win the, whatever the reward was, like you just feel not great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like motivation is kind of like a quick win, you know, like, oh, I got to motivate myself to get out of bed on the Monday or I got to motivate myself to do this work. It's, it's not sustainable. It doesn't seem like it's long lasting. And then I kind of feel like you have a harder crush than if you fail at it. Yeah. I've also actually heard quite often, like motivation doesn't get you to where you want to be. Like if you're, if you're some days you won't be motivated at all. Like some days it's going to be harder to just get out of bed. Like, so you need to be dedicated to that goal instead of just motivated. Like you will get some spurs of motivation, obviously, but it won't always be that easy. I think it was Shane Parrish or someone that we've regularly referenced on this show. He was kind of relating it to almost like a dopamine hit. Motivation is like trying to find your next dopamine hit where you're just constantly like, I need that next win, next that I need that next win. And <laughs> like sometimes then you kind of feel like you're chasing something that's not there or that's never going to fruition. Uh, it can actually be kind of dangerous in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And you, like you said, you feel so much worse if whatever was motivating you doesn't get you to the actual goal you had in your mind. You know, it's just like, mm. and then you just feel defeated. And again, I'm like, we're in such a heavy place anyway, mentally with what's going on, mm. you know, with a global pandemic and, you know, in the US political unrest and just all this uncertainty. It's like, wow, like, we need to feel like there's some essence of hope in front of us. So if someone's there with yeah. us on this journey, like we can do this. <laughs> So how do you then kind of like define leadership? Like you, you mentioned there a few times, we kind of need someone to like almost reach out and take us by the hand. Is it like a parent coming along and guiding a child or like how, how, what, what does that actually kind of entail? Yeah, I think of it more like um, friend to friend, you know, like yeah. we were not really years ago, we kind of debunked that hierarchy system of leadership where it was like, it doesn't work for there to be a person at the top that's like, in charge. Um, it does mm. work from the perspective that they need to guide direction, but they need to be collaborative in that. So I think that you've got to be like friend and friend. Mm -hmm. And then for me, leadership is this idea that you take this oath that you're going to help somebody get to their next best place. And that means you have to care about them. You have to care about the next best place they're going. 
And you also probably have to have knowledge of how they're going to get there. And then the most critical element and where the hand in hand comes into play is you see what they're doing and you know what could be done differently to get to the next place. And you have to have the conversation. And we shy away from that conversation because it feels like we're going to hurt somebody's feelings or we're going to feel <laughs> yeah. personally uncomfortable. And then you've just like failed your oath. Like you're the person they trust to help them get to the next level and you're afraid of it. So, so it's not necessarily like letting the child put their hand on a hob and burn themselves to then learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not through necessarily like injuring yourself. I sometimes I feel like with my toddlers, like I'm like, well, if you spill the milk with no lid on it, like you're going to learn it spills. <laughs> it's not always like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at the same time, that's a great. You could watch them kind of fail, so to speak, and then go back and revisit. You know, the gap. Like, here's what I saw you do, or here's what I heard you say. Let's try this. And that's a great teaching moment. So in the past year or so, you've you've been working on Talent Match quite a bit. And as part of that work, you surveyed approximately, what was it, 20,000 stylists? Um, in, yeah, 20,000. Was it in the U.S. specifically? It was, yeah. And it was a mix of uh, stylists and students. So on what they were looking for in their careers, really. And I think you have some pretty surprising findings to share with us today. So what, what kind of struck you as odd or surprising or um, just really relevant to 2021? Yeah, well, I mean, first, we talk, my research for the last four years has shown that salon owners think their number one problem is finding staff. And then number two, which used to be number one, is keeping them. And so I just wanted Mm -hmm. to go straight to the source and say, like, what do you want? (laughs) So I just, like, (laughs) I'm going to ask like the workforce, instead of a bunch of salon owners trying to brainstorm, like what we think is going to attract and retain talent, like, let's just ask them, what do you want from us? And what's it going to take to get you in our business and to keep you in our business? And I think a few data points that just quite honestly blew my mind. Um, You know, there's a perception in the salon community that we are losing to rental, Mm -hmm. right? That if you have an employee-based salon, rental is your biggest competitor. And I even as a salon owner would say, I felt at times that that is a truth, but this data kind of debunked that a bit. Um, First of all, 69% of the respondents said they want to go to an employee-based business after they graduate or kind of in that first part of their career. Mm -hmm. And so some salon owners might think, well, duh, like they want me to build their clientele. They want education. Like maybe that's a no brainer. Um, The second part was, 71% of the 69% said, but I want to rent eventually. And that's Mm. like all of our worst nightmares. I mean, that's what keeps us up at night. Like we're going to build you. (laughs) You're going to be finally making money and not costing us money. And then you're going to leave us. And so that kind of, oh, take your whole book of business, right? Like dreadful, so stressful. Um, What was amazing though, so those numbers kind of logically make sense. What's amazing is that 89% of the 71% who said they wanted to leave eventually actually said they would stay if the salon could meet all of their needs. And that is a significant portion of our workforce. That's like, Hey, if you would give me what I think I need and want, I wouldn't go anywhere. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, what do you want? (laughs) (laughs) Money is, I, I reckon. Yeah. Well, what's interesting then, okay, so that question dialed down into what are the top things that um, that mm. you need and want? And the first, like, number one thing was flexibility. 
Number two oh. was autonomy or mm-hmm. a sense of autonomy. And number three was money. So money only actually made up 23% of that pool. And that's amazing. Like we we can it fix. It is, yeah, because instantly you always think of money. Oh, higher salary, mm-hmm. more money commission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not the driver. Was, I wonder if COVID had a huge impact on the flexibility and uh, autonomy part of uh, of that. Well, you know why I think um, one of the benefits of COVID, if there is one, is that salon owners were forced into flexibility. And that's been a real place of resistance for a lot of salon owners. You know, they think stylists have to work these certain number of days or hours a week, or you can never not work Saturdays or you won't be successful or you need three evenings a week. Like there's this kind of mentality in the beauty space around Mm. what's required to become successful. And so we kind of forced, like, well, now we have less occupancy we're allowed. um, Hours are restricted. If we can do that for COVID, like we can come up with a long-term solution for flexibility. And if we can solve that being their top need, awesome. Like that's one step into keeping that 89%. Yeah. Steph, I'm really impressed to kind of like dig a little deeper into this. You you surveyed 20,000 people. The last time we had you on the show, we were discussing about millennials and kind of enticing them into workplace. Were these the same sort of demographics that you were interviewing or sorry, surveying or were there a lot older? Like, was it kind of like, yeah, the more millennial generation that you were surveying to get these results? Yeah, it's actually a mix. Um, It was not just millennials, but it was a big chunk of millennials because that's a large portion of the workforce. So this survey was made up of 47% Gen Z, 33% millennial, 15% Gen X, and 5% boomers. So that's actually really impressive to say that just like everyone in general, it's not this whole like millennial or Gen Z thing that want more work-life balance. It's actually everyone now. That's just the general workforce. You know, I think that as How do we make that happen? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of like we have to stop being frustrated by it and seeing it as a thing that we can't do and just decide we're going to find a solution. Um, Mm -hmm. It's. I just think as the world moves forward and as people get more used to uh, things being different. It's, it's just like Uber, right? Like we would never get in a car with a stranger and now we do. And it doesn't matter what age you are, you accept that that's a thing. Like the world's just yeah. so open and so transparent and things move so fast that we can't not apply that logic to our workforce. You know, they're consumers. They're out there consuming all different ways, on demand, you know, instantaneous. And we have to be thinking about like, what does that mean for our industry? And, and why do our, why does our workforce then show up how they do? Like, we really can't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. So, so if like autonomy, flexibility and money, and I know I didn't put them in the right order there, but if those were the top three needs for individuals, was there anything different in terms of like a collective group, say a salon team would need because I'd imagine that would differ a little bit more. Maybe you want more education. Maybe you want more certain, like certain different things. Yeah. So um, across the board, the reason why people said they picked salons, like the number one reason was the team. And I thought hmm. that was fascinating because, so first they say they want a team that feels like a family, like top priority. And then the number one reason they actually pick the location they work in is for the team. But we're in this interesting time where it's really hard to understand anything about a team before you actually join the business. Like when you interview at a salon, I mean, if you shadow, you might have a little bit of, you might have an hour for your around the team. And so my, 
my thinking is they must be going off of like a gut check, right? Like in that mm-hmm. hour, did I feel like the team was the type of people I want to be around? But there's nothing actually tangible there that um, helps them determine that that's a good fit. But other things that they said that they really cared about were, of course, education um, and access to education. And there's a whole variety of what they want there. You know, old school kind of thinking would have been it's this one or two year program. Now, it comes all the way down to some people say like, I don't want a formal program. You know, I want to take the education on the things that I say I want to learn and that's Mm -hmm. it. Um, And then of course, there's still a lot of people who want a formal program, whether it's six months, most people wanted three months or less for education that was formal. Um, And then the way they want education, you know, do they want it one-on-one? Do they want it in person or online? Um, Like virtual is actually one of the lowest selections for education. And I think it would be interesting to revisit in my 2021 survey, like how has that shifted because of COVID now that virtual (laughs) has become a reality, no matter what you do with your life, like you're on Zoom. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So leadership was another key piece. You know, the number one reason they pick you is your team. The number one reason they leave you is the leader. So (laughs) that's interesting. Um, I think it just speaks to like, they form this bond with the team, but they think of them as friends and they're willing to continue that friendship without working with them, but they're not going to hang around if a leader's not great. Yeah, That's actually a really interesting point about kind of like the, um, the desire, the crave to have a relationship with your team, with your boss. I'm, I'm going to park that one for a little bit for just for a second, or maybe so we can ask that next. Cause one thing you, you mentioned there and I wanted to dig into it was about how do you know if a salon is the right fit for you. So when you're crawling from salon to salon, looking to apply or hand your CV in, when I look at kind of how we look for jobs, it's easy to go to a corporate website. You've got the About Us page, you've got the LinkedIn. It's really easy to find out who the company is and the type of people that work there, the culture, the values. Is that something, in your opinion, that salons offer or is that are they kind of lacking that to actually attract top talent at the moment? Yeah, I think it's the number one opportunity in the beauty space right now is to be better at telling our culture story. Um, You know, knowing that that's the number one problem salon owners say they have is recruiting talent. And I look at, go to the independent suite world. That world, if the big players are doing this phenomenal job of telling a story of exactly what they offer, and it's tapping directly into the hearts and minds of the stylist. So they're telling the narrative of you can work for yourself, own your own business, make the most money, all the things that relate to the reasons they say they leave us. These large brands are like blasting out there that they can have, right? It's this a tangible, I can achieve this and have this. Whereas you look at the beauty industry on the other side of it, and it's significantly made up of small business owners, you know, who have like one to five mm-hmm. locations. Um, don't have really their head solidly around how to market to a future team member. They're, some of them, many of them are just getting their head around marketing to consumers with all of the different outlets we have to use. Yeah. So what I encourage based on the research I've done is that we have to be layering in that culture element. Like, who are we? What do we value? What's the best thing about our team? Like, if you were going to brag about your team, what would you say? That needs layered directly into your outbound marketing on every front that someone would go look you up. So the same way we think about making a marketing plan for how we're going to tell the story to a consumer of why we're their best salon to pick, like we need to be telling that story to all the future employees. And if it's just 10% of your marketing message, right? Like every 10th Instagram post, like do something about your team. Um, Great. Like start somewhere because look at our, like our whole workforce is online. 
They go straight to your Instagram. They go straight to your website. They go straight to reviews and they read about you. So give them, give them what you want them to know. That's what I think about because they get it everywhere else. It's true. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. So I'll bring you back then to what Killian uh, parked of the idea. Uh, yeah. For the friendship. Bit. And, and, and it's interesting because you mentioned it at the very start um, with leadership where, you know, uh, people are wanting to have that nearly like friend to friend relationship. But for salon owners, I suppose many of them, um, it might feel really awkward to act as a friend towards their team. So what what does that mean essentially to be like a friend to them? How how do you kind of shift into that? Yeah, so I think we get awkward because we try so hard to um, be casual, right? Because we, we don't necessarily know how to manage the emotion that comes with giving people feedback on how to do a better job. Mm-hmm. Because your natural instinct is to think like, they're going to be offended or they're going to think I don't like them or like there's a ton of narratives, but we crave to be liked. (laughs) Yeah. We on both sides, right? Like, Oh, we don't want to make anybody mad. Um, (laughs) You know, friendship, I bucket that word. And and when I did kind of a deeper dive in the research, like, what do you mean by friends? Because a significant portion of them said they want their leader to be their friend and give them feedback. It's really about relationship. You know, and if you go back to what I said about an oath, right? We take this oath to show people the gap. Like that's where the feedback has to come in, but you're never gonna have any of that received well if you don't have a pre-existing relationship with somebody because then they don't think you care, right? Mm-hmm. It's like if, if we think about anybody in our life that loves us, like our, our best friend, if, if your best friend came to you and they gave you a real hard truth, you would listen because you know they love you. Right. And, you know, as hard as that truth is to hear and whatever emotion it evokes, like it is said with good intention. And as leaders, we have to seek that level of relationship where we do all the things we would do to build a great relationship with anyone else in a professional sphere, of course, so that we can follow through with our oath of like helping them grow and that they actually want to hear the feedback. Yeah. So it's not it's not at all about knowing everything about, you know, your staff's life, but more just about building that foundation of a strong relationship exactly it's like do they trust you do you trust them you know do they respect you do you respect them Mm. can you communicate with each other both ways is there some level of connection like you actually enjoy that person i always for me the barometer like if i had an employee that i just felt i didn't like which was rare, but I can think of two occasions (laughs) when it existed. There was just like something internal with me that just was like, I'm not showing up as the best leader. And when I dug into that, like I genuinely disliked this person for some reason or another, like I can't lead them. Like I'm not doing them any kind of service because I cannot have a relationship with them. Hmm. And that means they can't be part of my team because that ruins my oath of like, my heart is I want to help people grow. And like, I can't help you grow if I don't have that pre-existing relationship with you. So I think we have to work really hard on that. Um, it, it's like the, an essential element. It's, it, like it sounds really harsh that like they can't be part of your team. Had the person done anything <laughs> to kind of like give you a reason for that? Like, Was there any balance there? Because I feel like the colleague... Of like I'm going to assume they weren't giving it or they're all here and you were just like, nah, like I think we got to go into this. <laughs> yeah, so ultimately it comes back to that value alignment, you know, which connects to culture. And this is that storytell. So the better we get at telling our story, what we value, 
what's critically important in our business, why we do the things we do, like all the things that would help people understand us, that's going to help us attract people that are like-minded, you know? So for me, the the two times in my eight years of business that I had people that just, I'm like, this is not going to work. There was a value misalignment and it felt like it was substantial enough that it was going to disrupt both my ability to serve them well, and then their ability to grow in my business. And it's like, I can't, out of my desire to serve them well, I can't not help them grow. So we have to part ways because <laughs> this is not going to work. Um, <laughs> I'm glad it's only ever happened twice in your life. Sounds twice. a bit cutthroat. <laughs> no, <laughs> although my team would be like, I'm, I always, um, and I would tell any leader that's struggling here to do this. Like I teach people like straight up from the interview process. Like we are a heavily feedback oriented team. And feedback goes always. You can give it to me. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to ask people for feedback about you. You can ask about feedback for me. Like, it's just this very open, transparent space. So they kind of start hearing that narrative from the get-go. And then when we're working together, it's no shock when I walk into the break room and say to my team, okay, what do you think about the new person? Like, how's it going? And Mm. sometimes they're like, well, like, should we tell you? Because are you, are you going to be like having a really hard conversation with them? And they were like <laughs> wanted to protect this person from the fact that like, I would, I will always have the conversation, you know? And so, and I do it professionally and like lovingly, but nobody likes having a hard conversation that when they're yeah. giving hard feedback, you know, so they don't, they'd like self protect and also protect their team. Like, well, we don't want to have you go talk to them about how they're not doing shop duties yet. I'm like, <laughs> Well, that's what well, helps you, you grow. Talk to them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stephanie, do you have any process in place then of, I suppose, putting yourself into the shoes of the BFF that they've never actually met before without actually being the BFF? Like, how do you kind of fill that void that they're looking for, but still maintain a professional presence? So for me, again, it goes back to that like interview process. Like in my interview process, I'm the fourth step. And that is, we have coffee. So there was, for me, it was, I was fortunate that there was just a coffee shop just a few doors down from the business. But even if it meant meeting somebody offsite, I think just not being in the salon, sitting down and having coffee, like, I want to know you, like, I want to know what's Mm. going on in your life. And so not necessarily so I can be your best friend, but so that I can know what you care about and what happens in your day to day. Mm. And then for me, I had Tuesday mornings always in my calendar blocked off. Like I would hang in the break room for like two hours as people are kind of coming in and out and just like, Hey, how was your weekend? Like what's going on in life as a, as a catch up. And it was intentional because otherwise I'd be like all over the place. I mean, my schedule is so busy. Um, and it could be how, instead of the context of like, how was your weekend? What's going on in your life? If you don't want to be that casual, you could say, how was your Saturday at work? what happened? You know, you can get specific, but it still is showing this interest. Like, I want to know I wasn't here. Give me some, give me some update. So I think if I was going to say about a process, it's really just identify points that you can Mm. spend time with them in a way that's not just at a coaching session where you're laying out numbers in front of them and saying, oh, your pre-booking should be higher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think the way you ask questions as well changes the whole, um, changes the whole relationship. You know, like if, I, I think back to this, like the first few months of me being in Ireland when people would ask like, hey, how you doing? And I would actually reply. <laughs> and in Ireland, it's just like a formality just to kind of say hi. And they don't like it's just like you pass by and that's it. Right. I'm not stopping for a conversation. I'm just <laughs> yeah. asking, how are you? <laughs> but, but if you so. And I've seen Zoe in that awkward position so many times in the stairs. <laughs> 
Oh God, cringing thinking about it. But it, but you know, like if you ask someone like, "Hey, how's your day?" Like they're probably just going to answer, "Good. How's yours?" You know, flip it back to you straight away because that's what we're used to uh, hearing mm-hmm. as a question. But if you go like, and I've tested this out with like loads of my f- friends and even people not so close to me, but like, what was the best part of your day yesterday? And then you're getting into like something, you know? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think also just being willing to you know, you work with somebody every day, you observe their kind of emotional patterns. And so like, if you see something that seems off, being willing to to check in with them, whether it's they seem like they're in a great mood, maybe they're celebrating something or something's a little down. It's okay as a leader. And I think it's important as a leader to check in and say, hey, you know, how are you doing? It seems kind of heavy with you this morning. And they don't have to give you any details, but just the idea that you noticed tugs on somebody's heart, right? So it's Mm -hmm. building those repetitive actions where they know they can come to you um, if something is going on or, and they know that you'll celebrate them. And that's a big piece. I I think I learned this lesson maybe the hard way in my life. Um, I gave my team one year uh, the love languages assessment Mm -hmm. because I wanted to know how they liked to feel loved. Yeah, Because I think leadership is really about love. And so many of them were words of appreciation and I am terrible at that. Like in my brain, I'm terrible at it. And even my husband is like, oh, I never get enough positive feedback. I'm like, oh my gosh, because <laughs> I'm just not good at it. Um, and I, I have to train myself to be because I recognize that as much as I have in my brain that I appreciate them and I consciously think it, like it needs to come out of my mouth. So I started putting like calendar alerts for myself, like pop-ups that would remind me to give people positive affirmation uh, because they need it. And then I did the same thing. I I created a gratitude practice in my business where once a month I would do something completely ridiculous. Like um, I bought like donuts and like, I, you don't know how much I love you or, you know, like just these (laughs) silly things that like, I can't even think of all the ridiculous. I used Pinterest to find ideas, but once a month I would just give them all some sort of a fun gift that was like a thank you. Like you guys rock. So I think yeah. getting intentional like that also builds that relationship that says like, I'm here for you. I care about you. It's not just a number. You're not just producing profit in my business for me. As a leader operating the whole transparency approach, like you want them to feel like everything's transparent. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're going, maybe they've asked a question about you and you've gone, uh, maybe I shouldn't kind of give that level of detail like, is there ever a gray area when it comes back to you? Because conversations are two-way, relationships are two-way. But maybe sometimes it might kind of, that friendship that they feel might get a bit too relaxed. Have you ever kind of had to nip anything like that in the bud? Um, Not for me personally. I think I'm pretty transparent. And so, like, I want them to know me and I want them to know my life. And, you know, I'm pretty honest about like, today is rough, like (laughs) apologies in advance. If I don't show up as my best self, like it is a hard day. Um, I think where I see salon leaders get into the biggest mess with that is if they spend a lot of time outside of work with their team with drinking involved. (laughs) And I'm, I definitely will have a cocktail here and there with my team, but It's like, we'll go out and I'll have like one or two drinks. And then I'm like, great guys, see you later. You know, I'm not going to be the one that's out still at two o'clock because I would rather be with my girlfriends if I'm going to go out and stay until two o'clock because then (laughs) you can tip over into like maybe way more personal information. So I think as a leader, you just have to have that sense of responsibility that, you know, like 
here's kind of my line, you know, like I'm not going to be as silly and transparent with my team about topics that I would totally be with my best girlfriends. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it could definitely create a sticky situation later because it could diminish respect. And that's really, I think the line you're walking is, be a friend, but not to the point that you diminish respect. I was going to bring you back to connection there because um, we mentioned it in this episode. You mentioned it. It was actually part, big part of your presentation at the Salon Owner Summit 2020. Anyone who remembers, uh, you had like an anecdote about Italy and this certain part of Italy where people live uh, a longer life expectancy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at Uplift this year, you also talked about connection and said that it was composed of two things, willpower and way power. And I would love for you to explain the nuance between the two, especially in a salon context. Yeah. So for me, and again, this is all coming from asking stylists, like, what do you want from us? Uh, Connection is the basis for emotional stability and safety. And again, if we're going to be somebody helping somebody else grow, and we know that means there's going to be difficult conversations at times, we have to have emotional safety. Um, come back to the world today and all the things we went through in 2020, you know, connection is what allows us to be hopeful. Like when you sense that you're not alone, like you can have a greater element of hope. And so hope actually is comprised of willpower and way power. So willpower is this idea that in your own mind, you have the will to get to an end goal or the will to achieve something. Whereas way power is you actually see a way to make it happen. And you need both to get to an end game. You need to not only have the will, but be forging an understanding of the way. And I think that as leaders, we are the will. Like we help create the willpower because if we're leading and we go to that hand in hand idea, like they know I trust this person. They've got my back. Like no matter how hard this feels or how big I fail, like I'm not by myself. Um, and then we have a but sense. But not motivating. <laughs> not motivating, right? <laughs> but we, they also then have this sense that like, as a leader, you should take responsibility for providing some of the way power. Because if people knew how to do all these things on their own, they'd be out there doing them. And so if we have tools education, resources, network, whatever it is, like those are all way power tools. So we have to be responsible uh, as a leader okay. for putting them in front of somebody. Because mm-hmm. then they, then they can't. Now, yeah. yeah. So like we've given them the like, hey, we've got you. We're your cheerleader. We're going to be right here with you. And by the way, here's maybe step one and how you get started. Yeah. So would you kind of call like the need for education by providing educational resources, would that also be like way power? Or have you got a better example of... So, sorry, way power to me is just new. Like, I kind of get willpower because there's always terrible willpower when it comes to chocolate and drinks and stuff like that. So, but can you, like, give me an example of way power then? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, way power would be, you know, right now, performance in a business is critical, right? Like, salons need their team performing at, like, their highest level, doing the best they can. So like the new performance report that Forrest just launched is a, is a form of way power. So if I'm a leader and I have built my business around this idea that I'm going to help you grow and I'm trying to live up to this, I'm going to give you feedback and I'm going to care and be connected to you. By the way, here's one of the ways I can help you grow. Here's this tool I'm going to put in your hands. I'm going to teach you how to use it. I'm going to ask you to look at your numbers every day. Like that's a form of way power that you're giving them and saying like, here's information in your hands. So they don't have to keep going to you to find out how they're performing. Exactly. That's really good. I I think we probably couldn't have wrapped this episode up any better with 
literally giving them the tools in the hand and like listen back to this episode what every quarter every couple of weeks when you're doing your performance review or your one-to-ones willpower way power put the tools in the hand that's excellent cheers all right zoe i think you're ready to queue up now with your third st- thought starter of the season absolutely this is the bit that everyone gets either excited or nervous about <laughs> which one are you stephanie I don't know. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> well, I'm terrible at answering questions on the spot. So I'm glad it's you and not me. <laughs> All right. So, well, this actually ties really nicely into uh, what you do with research. If you had to write a book, what would you write about? Oh, goodness. I feel like I have like five book manuscripts in my computer right now. So um, <laughs> I always think well, about What's the first one to publish? I, yeah. Um, I would... I was going to write a book. I would write about... Hey guys, Zoe. And Killian here. There's a lot going on in the world right now and things are changing fast. This is a short reminder for you to stay safe and on top of all the latest and factual news. Your starting point should be your governing health services website. Forest Salon Software has also a variety of business resources available. Check out our Help Juice page, the Forest Academy Learning Portal, our personal and business resilience strategies for salon owners at forest.com forward slash salon hyphen lockdown, the Forest blog and podcast, and our multiple on-demand webinar recordings at forest.com forward slash resources. And one last thing. Don't, don't be scared. scared be prepared. prepared. If I was going to write a book, I would write about the power of our tribes around us. Like I, for me, like the people in my life allow me to do everything I do. Like they give me all the willpower. <laughs> um, and when I don't have the willpower, it's like, I go back to them. I'm like, I need a dose. So I would write about that. <laughs> I'd write about the people in my life. <laughs> I just need a quick hit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my dopamine hit. Like it's, it's the people that, you know, believe in you and, and how like crucial that is to getting to whatever you're dreaming up in life, whatever it is you want to do. Um, however you want to feel like it's because of the people you surround yourself with. That answer yeah. is just so everything you've talked about in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. perfect. Perfectly that book. consistent. <laughs> <laughs> so Stephanie, if anyone wants to learn more about uh, your research, maybe, or talent match or anything else that you do, where can people find you online? Yeah, so my website is talentmatch.biz. And there's actually a place in the top right hand corner, they can request the um, visual of all the research. So it's in a really nice format, they can read through, there's a lot of information. So get ready to digest some interesting things. Um, Or you can also follow me on Instagram at Steph, S-T-E-F underscore Fox underscore Jackson, which is just J-A-X-N. So that's like my leadership inspiration dose. It's my personal little dopamine hit that I do for myself every day. (laughs) And hopefully leaders get a a little boost out of it. I do personally anyways. I follow you. So yeah, I can attest to that. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent stuff. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show again, Stephanie. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Lots and lots of gems in this interview with Stephanie today. And so I hope that you bookmark this episode. In terms of what's coming up next, we have a a brand new webinar coming up on March 1st with Steve Gomez. And you can find all the information in regards to this webinar in the transcript of this episode. And you'll also find a link to the Vish On Demand recorded webinar uh, called Charging Your Worth. So uh, you can catch that there. One last thing before we sign off. Don't forget to head over to force.com forward 
forward slash FM. That's where you'll find today's transcript. You can also subscribe to the show's email newsletter and get all the updates, guest downloadable content, resources, everything that we essentially uh, talk about in these episodes delivered straight to your inbox weekly on Wednesdays. As always, if you want to share your thoughts on Forest FM or this episode specifically, send us an email at forestfm at forest.com or you can leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We never shy away from feedback. Otherwise, stay safe and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z, Montreal's cutting edge post production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Great music makes great moments. Forest FM, the Salon Owners Podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Get your clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.